0: what you have always wanted to do. Me today is Tracy Wilson. Tracy's been a mentor of mine in teaching me really good facilitation and especially in the mental health space. Tracy's an expert on being trauma informed and what that means when dealing with people with lived experience and has taught me a lot over the last couple of years. So, Tracy, welcome to the island.
1: Thank you, Tony.
0: Thanks for having me on your island. Now, Tracy always ask all my guests just to introduce yourself a little bit. Don't give everything away, save some of that for the story. But okay. what's something a little different about you that we should know?
1: Uh, something a bit different about me is on my mother's side of the family, their heritage was Romani Gypsy. And my grandmother... That explains so
0: much now. <laughs> it
1: does. Um, and my grandmother, my mother's mother, who I was mostly raised by, said that I had her father's gypsy eyes. Ah. And I think, actually, my gypsy heritage um, does explain a lot about me being a restless soul that doesn't take authority very well. And, yes.
0: Fantastic. Well, I've even learnt something today. So, Tracy. You're on the island. You're on the island for a reason. You're on the Mm. island to tell us something that you've done that is a little bit different, something you've done for yourself, something where you've been um, pushed the barriers a little bit. So the, 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 the island's yours.
1: Right. Well, I did literally buy a house on an island.
0: <laughs> how appropriate is that? <laughs> <laughs>
1: and I have learnt that maybe you don't put a gypsy on an island. Ah,
0: how wind... big is the island?
1: Uh, it's not big. And, um, yeah, so I got a house on an island to write books and just ended up getting a bit stir-crazy. And um, it ended up with... Kayaking around the island many times and just meeting random islanders and drinking all their wine supplies. And not a lot of writing, really.
0: So before we get onto the writing, what's it like on the island, on your island?
1: On my island. Um, it's It's a different time zone. And when you cross this little expanse of water, you do feel totally cut off and people just do things very casually and and there's no time schedules and and it is a different experience it's yeah I like it It wouldn't be everyone's cup of tea
0: and were you accepted quickly on
1: the island not at all I I don't think you do get accepted I think it attracts people that just don't want to be around other people Um, so I have Um, Just invaded people's space
0: and drunk no wine supply, really. Um, (laughs) And so your property down there, your house, Mm. how luxurious is it or how natural is it?
1: Uh, It's natural. There's no luxury in it. Um, It's just a little cabin. It's three-bed. It's a little cabin and it's very modest and it's amongst an acre of bush and then is across the road from the river. And it's just, yeah very um, life stripped down which is what I felt I needed to to write.
0: So I'm always interested in how places feel Mm. so I'm assuming it's quiet. Yes. So how does it feel and and does that quietness create a particular feeling?
1: Um, It's eerie actually. Uh, I've just had a friend come back who dropped off the keys last night, and she said that the quiet was unsettling for her. Mm-hmm. And in fact, at night, she'd have really bad dreams because I think we, um, we have so much white noise around us that we don't have these pure, deep dreams always when we're you know, in a busy society. It is a bit spooky, and if you were an unsettled soul, if you had something on your mind, I think you wouldn't have a big escape from that, I think. I think that it could be a bit much for some people.
0: Yeah, so that's probably why you said it attracts a certain type mm. of person that perhaps can mm. enjoy that that time, that that silence, yeah. That, yeah. and what that brings.
1: I think you'd need
0: to be at a certain place in your life
1: for that to be healthy.
0: So that ah. gets us to the point, that certain place in your life. You do have a a little hidden goal about mm. around writing yep. and you did mention it earlier that's one of the reasons you bought the house is yep. to have it as an escape, I this did. quiet escape where you can write. How has that played out for you?
1: Uh, I think it's really interesting because sometimes what we want and what we get are two different things and my nana used to say, God laughs when we make plans. Um, so yeah, the plan was that was my writer's heart. I've had these books swirling in my head forever and that you know that I'll get there and I'll write my stories and um, you know the, the stresses of the world and all the problems that prevent me from writing will go because I'm on an island and but, I got there to discover that I am my biggest challenge. I am my biggest distraction. So I just took the distraction with me to the island. (laughs) And what do you
0: mean by that?
1: Well, I think we make all the excuses in the world for why we can't live the dream, and it's often because we're so afraid of failing in that dream. Mm. And we think, well, if it would come true, I'd be able to do it under certain circumstances, da-da-da-da. And then you get the unusual... Circumstances. Not everyone can buy a house on an island to write books. So I'm very privileged. But no matter what the privilege, at the end of the day, it doesn't take away from the hard graph that you've just got to sit down and, and get shit done sometimes. And it doesn't take an island or whatever. It just takes the absolute fearless motivation to give it a go. But I took the fear with me. So it doesn't matter where I go, I've got to actually internally work on myself to write those books and that's what the island has taught me really
0: so that's really interesting so the, the island necessarily didn't give you the the hand up that you were looking for mm. but how have you worked with the island to produce um, once, once you discovered that, yeah. that that it wasn't just an automatic thing
1: well I did nothing intentionally what uh, what the learning journey has been has been unintentional and that because I kind of don't get there much because, you know, I work and I teach and life gets busy. I've let colleagues in the mental health profession or people of lived experience that share their stories and trainings and peer workers who have lived experience of mental health challenge and recovery, I've opened it up saying if anyone wants to borrow it for a weekend and take their loved ones, please use it. You know, it's not been used. It was nothing more than that. But what that has unintentionally given back Is that I hear their stories on the island Ah. of, you know, what that quiet has brought up for them or how they've been able to really spend time on them or the time with their loved ones or so I've been given all these stories from the island that I get to hear because people find it really therapeutic people find it really special and it's something that crossing that river does for people that might not be able to always access that so the gift has been the story of others actually Mm, and my story will happen when I do the work on myself to let my story come out. But that's another journey that will not be to an island.
0: Uh (laughs) So are you willing to talk about... Some of that writing,
1: mm, yeah. So obviously, I'm a mental health professional. I'm an educator, and I a supervisor. And I obviously, my what I preach is the possibility and hope for recovery. That recovery for whatever it means for that individual is always possible, and that there's always hope. And I, these things are true. But I think, as a mental health professional, I also, you know, see the darker side i also see that for some people the access to what it would take for recovery for them or the hope of things being better when their circumstances are a certain way or you know their challenge is so chronic in advance that you know the help that they receive doesn't really impact then there is a there is a side where recovery and hope isn't for everyone, unfortunately. And so my writing plays with that reality, because I don't get to speak about that reality and what I do, um, because we promote a culture of hope and optimism. So my writing is about that.
0: That's really interesting, because you, as I said at the start, you've taught me so much about Tra- being trauma-informed in mm. the mental health space and working with you on many, many occasions, facilitating groups of people with lived experience mm. and in some cases, facilitating the storytelling of their stories. And and I totally understand what you're saying about mm. the need for, or um, well there tends to be this process of recovery and this absolute nature of recovery. Mm. But Mm. the reality is I I do see that, and I Mm. have witnessed that with you, that Mm. some people, it is a difficult thing to get that absolute recovery. And recovery is a relative position in a lot of people's case.
1: So recovery in our lens is somebody being able to live what their good life is for them, whatever that is for them, and find purpose and meaning in life and live a fulfilling life for them, right, as individuals. But not everybody gets the resources or the opportunity to fulfill that. Unfortunately, we're not in an even world or a fair world even. And, and so my writing is about accepting people where they're at and accepting that there are all sorts of stories. And that not only, you know, so I think we pick and choose the ones that make us happy or make us feel we're doing our jobs well or, or whatever. But um, my writing is about, you know, the the side that we don't really talk about. And um, it's dark. And I think that's what also made me want to go to an island because I thought, thought, if I'm going to write this shit, I better hide away. Um, (laughs) But I think, and I think also as somebody with lived experience myself, I live with mental health challenge, I thought if I immersed myself in this writing and my stories, that I I would be walking such a thin line between sanity and insanity. That I wouldn't want people to witness that, and I thought that I know I need to write these books, but you know, juggling being healthy with what I live with can be so um, hit and miss that I take the uh, the chance that I might not be able to manage it as well to do this. So I think there was an element of fear in that respect.
0: Yeah and Mm. that's I reckon it's a really good point that you're Mm. you're bringing up you know in Mm. my storytelling work and mostly with people with lived experience I talk about the concept of their uh, soul life which means Mm. that they're made up of many parts Mm. they're made up of many stories their soul Mm. and they're not made up of just a singular story No, and sometimes that those individual stories some of them can be enlightening some of them can be traumatic Mm. and it's the combination of all of those that Mm. need to be understood Mm. and that a lot of people when they're recovery processed it's it's really important to understand and process that they are they have multiple narratives Mm. some are more positive than others Mm. but they are all influential in who you are and in particular on that road to recovery
1: Mm, absolutely and I think it's also for me as a, a bit like yourself Tony you're your family story historian and we've talked about this and I having spent a lot of time with my grandmother and her sisters I heard their stories and so in some ways I'm my family's historian and we've got had mental health challenge run through our family and there's been a lot of you know human rights violations in my family and so I, I kind of want to incorporate that although I write fiction I want to incorporate that so that these you know stories aren't lost mm-hmm. it's it's not really it, it's actually none of my stories are about me I haven't got that need to share that mm. my stories are about historical learning points in the um, history of uh, mental health, and, and because it's still living history, and it's really important we, we remember that actually, you know, mm. violations happened not that long ago, you know.
0: I really like that tangent you've just quickly taken us on, and mm-hmm. if I just can just go down that path for a little bit. So, we're recording this at a lunch break on the second day of the Social Impact Festival, mm. and it, the Social Impact Festival is being run by Aboriginal elders. And therefore, there's been a lot of storytelling. There's been a lot of cultural connection and reflection on cultural history mm. and the sense of generations and family. So the fact that you've just, you know, you rightfully pointed out, we have talked about this over a glass of Chardonnay many times. The Many glasses. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that we are both proud custodians of... The, the knowledge of our families and mm. and we're keen to add to that all the time and I must admit that's been the biggest takeaway for me how important that really is mm. uh, for me and obviously for my family and my family's legacy mm. so mm. it'll be interesting to see whether as you rightfully pointed out that your writings aren't about yourself but no. you are dealing with Concepts that are, are about your mm. history and your generational history and culture. Yeah. And I'm sure that will come through yeah. and that legacy will then That's be carried it. on.
1: And I think it is, you know, in my context, intergenerational trauma because why I became a mental health professional wasn't because I live with mental health challenge I'd, I've managed that well for years it's never defined me I was a teacher I was a youth worker but what brought me into this was advocacy because I have that family history and I always wanted to play a part in positive change and have things better understood and, and my nana's father who developed depression after the second world war because his son was killed, was put into an institution and he died receiving electric shock treatment. Wow. So, and that's because nobody told him what was going to happen and he never got the opportunity to tell them he had a heart defect and that maybe that wasn't such a good idea because things happen to people then. Yes. And so it's, I've always advocated for working alongside people and people, you know, being the leaders of their journey and being experts of themselves and truly listening to people. So my nana's sister lived her adult life and life and she died in an institution. So and I think, you know, it, I can relate to stuff that's just in your blood. Do you think you know? that
0: is something that may be a reason why you're uncomfortable sometimes on the island? That you're away from things and perhaps yeah. it's it's a metaphor for that institutionalism.
1: Maybe, maybe. So I just think we do things sometimes on such a subconscious level. And But I went and put my money on it.
0: <laughs> Having said that though, I think one of the great things about the human mind is that we can change it. Mm. Neuroplasticity yeah. and the thoughts around creating new thoughts through ritual and through experience. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that you'll be able to perhaps make it work. Ah, oh, I think it's working. From, from mm. a point of view of, of your writers. I My think writing. from a retreat, you yeah. go down with your family and relax, yeah. they'll never go away and, no, and, and that's worth every cent you've spent. Yeah. But I'm sure at some point you'll get that level of inspiration for your yeah. writing from yeah. being down there.
1: I think I just need to stop fearing failure, really. Yeah. Like we all do, don't we? we what do. would we all do if we didn't fear failing at it?
0: And from your facilitation point of view, mm. you do that every time. We, do, we all do that. When we, go, when we start a workshop, mm. the first thing we do is we face the crowd yeah. fully authentic, fully bare, from the sense of, Wow. Mm. How is this going to go? Yeah. And I do recall the, the the one workshop where you and I were uh, working with a group, and at morning tea we went looked at each other, and went, "This is not going well." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when when the audience weren't quite connecting with the the topic area. Yeah. But we changed, we regrouped, yeah. and it ended up being a fantastic yeah. day. That's it. And um, so yeah, that fear of failure. Does sometimes put up a a wall, but um, you you know, every workshop we do, we start with that from that point, and from my experience, we always get to the end. But
1: I recommend anybody,
0: if you really want to get to know yourself,
1: go to an island where it's spookily quiet, and you will find out a bit about yourself.
0: Yeah. Well, you're lucky on Max's island. We talk a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> this is a better island this for is me. A better this one. Island, yeah. This is a better
0: island. Because <laughs> it's you know, it's warm. It's in the sun. Yeah, and we talk a lot. I get to hang out with you. Yeah, and I get to hang out with some really, really interesting people. Yeah. So Tracy, look, thanks for coming to my island and telling us about your island Thank and you for and me your life experiences. As I mentioned right at the top, you've taught me so much. Uh, in an area that I never thought I would gravitate to. And I've really felt at home working with you in those spaces. So thank you for and that. Same. And thanks for the, for the support over, over the time. And we've got a journey moving forward with the Just Design collective that Absolutely. we have and um, doing mm-hmm. work.
1: Possibly recovery story And the recovery shops, story watch workshop. This space. Yeah,
0: talk about fear of failure. Again, <laughs> again <laughs> listeners, this is something we've been talking about for about 18 months and... Um, mm. Uh, It's been too easy for us to fall behind busyness of work. But um, we will be doing a public recovery stories program and teaching people who have got lived experience. And it doesn't necessarily just have to be around the mental health space. It could be people Mm -hmm. who have um, uh, been homeless, people who have domestic violence, violence, people with disability who want to learn to tell Hardship. Their narratives and, underst- and so that they can communicate. And in particular, in a co design environment where they have an opportunity to, to make changes to the, their life, but also the lives of others. So, we've now made it public. We hmm. will be doing it. We will be doing it. We will it. have to do it. But yeah. again, thanks, Tracy, for no, being on the island. Thank you. Is there anything you want to plug to the listeners before you go?
1: Uh, I. Um, no. Okay. I'll leave it pure.
0: Fantastic. For you. <laughs> so thanks, Tracy, for Thank being on time. Max's Island.
2: Thank you. We'd spoke on the bus on the way home from work. He was lost in the details of life. Each day was a blur. Oh work and no play and how. How it had turned out this way He told me his plan A short-term escape Five weeks on the and track sense was engaged his mind was as clear as the sky completely alone no emails or phone